You come to pick up the check and then you keep it pushing, you know? Right. Which is cool about the bird though, man, because it's, it's different like that. And then, you know, coming to Atlanta is like, a, it's like, you know, levels up on Pittsburgh, right? Especially being black, you know, you got way more culture here for us. Pittsburgh's just too, it's, it's black or white. That's it, right. you know, you come to Atlanta, you got a nice little bit of mid melting pots, you got different nationalities. And, um, but dude, man, Thank you so much for just doing this quick interview with me, Bob. Oh, no problem, man. About your actual studio, though, man, because uh, this right here is a beautiful spot you got, though, man. Appreciate it, man. We worked hard. I can tell. I, could, I mean, it's like a gym, though. I'm not even sure if too many people even know what's going on over here, though. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not going to give the actual address or anything, and, and you can stop me once you want to stop the actual stories from going. I got nothing to hide, man. Just say it. <laughs> I mean, but, man, the amount of history that has been pumped out of this studio I feel like more and more people need to know about, man. I do too. Yeah. I mean, you know, like it when we started, um, you know, it was like a conscious effort to, I mean, I'm, I know so much more now, you know, like 23 years later than what I knew when I started. And when I look back, I was doing things and they have phrases and terms and techniques, but I didn't know that I was doing it. But the first thing that just made sense to me, I was like, man, we just need to market and promote directly to artists, producers, and managers, and labels. So although I was 23 and mm-hmm. I was in the AU Center chasing girls and yeah. going to every party, I never saw a need to take any flyers to the AU Center or hand out flyers on campus or at the clubs because I would be like, man, even if they like what we have, they ain't our customer and they can't afford to work here. Like, right. You know what I mean? So. Literally the first 10 years, man, I was single-minded in saying that I just want to be known as the best recording studio in the Southeast. Um, After our 10-year mark, I felt like we had accomplished that and got known for recording and mixing, so I made a conscious effort to try to introduce our brand to the general public. And that's when we came up with our I Do Music and we started doing events outside of the studio. So yeah, give them the address, man. We I feel like people need to know too. I didn't... I didn't want to get distracted while we was trying to build something, you know what yeah, I mean? And once yeah. once I felt like we got our feet in the ground and we became a institution and, you know, we got a lot of people graduating from here, going on to be engineers for everybody that you can imagine, then it was like I wanted people to kind of come see us. I wanted to clean up the house before people came over. I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, man, that thing's that thing's spotless right now, man. I mean, because... It's clean behind the refrigerator. I, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, though, because... All right, so let me kind of back up a little bit here because when did you first open up? We opened up in 95, July of 95. I graduated wow. in 95, and we opened in 95. Wow, man. So yeah, he had had the building for two years, but no logo, no speakers hooked up, no session. So he came, Bob, uh, he came up to East Lansing, picked me up from Michigan State, and then um, we opened probably about three months, two or three months after I got here, the summer of 95. First session, Outcast. Get the hell out of here, man. Yeah, man. 95, you guys had outcasts in the building, man. You know, um, I think that speaks so heavily to how people want to move, right? Like, especially in business, a lot of times we don't really know where we're going, especially once you launch. A lot of people don't know. I think it's very common. And, And a classic way I know someone doesn't really know where they're going yet is whenever they have a product or a service and they say, oh, I, I want to service everybody. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, like, oh, I'm like, oh, this guy's lost. <laughs> you know what yeah, <laughs> I've been having that conversation all week, man. I do um, free consultations mm-hmm. and um, people come in and, you know, I, I tell them that in my mind, their song, it starts off as their baby, but eventually it's a product and each song is a business. Mm-hmm. 
And every business got to know who their client is. And they always say, my music is for everybody. And I'd be like, man, you ain't got enough money to market to everybody because if this song is for somebody that's from eight to 10, you got to have a different marketing plan and they in a different place. If it's some for somebody in high school, you need money to market to them or whatever. So yeah, man, when they answer that, man, I just take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And we, we try to force them to drill down on starting somewhere. So mm-hmm. for us, like I tell them, it's important to be known or be great at something and people come to you for your greatness. And if they appreciate your work, then they'll ask you, what else do you do? Mm-hmm. And then you can start asking other services. But, man, trying to do something for everybody is crazy. It is, though, man. And, you know, if you don't have pockets like Coca-Cola or like uh, McDonald's, you ain't going to be able to execute on that, man. No, nah, no. Nah. And, and, and so, you know, which is cool, though, because you guys came out the gate and you got, you know, one of the, well, the greatest, I would say, group out of Atlanta, period, you know, to, to, to be one of your first artists to actually record here. So you guys hit it out the park when you guys first Yeah, but you, you know what's funny? It's like um, one of the things um, I've been using a little hashtag that you can't afford not to work here because mm. because of our history and because of the clients that we have and the things that we've done, people look at us and think that they can't afford to work here. But one of the things I always try to remind them is you guys are looking at these people like Outkast and Goody Mob and Jeezy and Ludacris and Little John and T.I., when we worked on all of they, we didn't work on Outkast's first album, but everybody else I named and so many more, we worked on their first albums. They weren't them. Yeah. Like Ludacris was just Chris. Jeezy wasn't Jeezy. Lil John wasn't Lil John. Sierra wasn't Sierra. So we, we, you know, we working with up and coming independent artists that's on the verge. You know what I mean? So the intimidation is weird because I'm, I'm constantly trying to all the programs and things that we do, we outreach to up and coming independent on the verge artists, but people look at all the stuff that we did and, and kind of get intimidated. But it, you know, I don't know. It's a weird phenomenon. <laughs> what do you think it is though? I mean, because you, you always hear people say that, you know, a lot of times when you have the conversations, they, they want to be great. They want to be the best. And you hear all this stuff. What do you think it is that like, that kind of throws them off from trying to work with people like you. Cause if you want to be the best, you because be they don't, the best, they're right? not doing their homework. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not looking at the whole story. You just looking at who, um, who TI is now. Right. I mean, we, we treat all our clients like they superstars. We like, man, they're coming to us because they need sonically. They need to be able to compete with whoever the hottest artists are. And we need to, you know, deal with them accordingly. So we always, I mean, we all are used to saying is we, we care about the music more than you do. And a lot of times we still do, you know what I mean? We about the sound or whatever. So we ain't playing with it, man. It's not a joke. And and for me, I always tell people I'm, I'm a dreamer and I got a chance to live out my dream or I'm living my dream. And so I always encourage people to chase their dreams. Now in the music industry, what I've come to realize is that we may lose a lot of great people early on because they ran into the wrong person and they got ripped off and they got robbed. Their parents may have been supporting them and spending money and some producer ripped them off, some manager, and then these people give up on the industry. So my goal now is to put a big-ass bat symbol out to everybody to be like, man, if you come into Atlanta and you're interested in being in the music industry, before you spend any money, come over here and sit down and talk to us or sit down and talk to me. So... I offer free consultations 
you know, I don't listen to music and get into that, but just to sit down and give you a foundation in the hopes that you have a good experience dealing with the music industry and we can keep you and you don't leave because you ran into some idiot that ripped you off. Man, you know, um, I, th- I think that's, 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 that's the, that's the best angle I could imagine anybody taking, man, because the music industry is going through this, um, a transition, man. And I mean, obviously, you know, a lot more about this topic, you know, from people trying to push tapes to CDs and now streams are where it's at. Right. Mm-hmm. And the streams is even um, wild because I feel like now more than ever, the the person's brand, it matters because there's so many different places to kind of take it. But, you know, what type of shifts are you seeing in the whole music? Well, industry? The, you know, the, the shifts of how people consume it has changed all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they started off doing live music. Yeah. Then they went to a phonograph. Then they went to an eight track. (laughs) And they went to, you know, so, so, but the one thing that hasn't changed is the music. Yeah. The same way you got to sing a song and sing over music and all that stuff is pretty much the same. It's just the technology, which is making it easier for people to have access. So more people are enjoying it. So, you know, I think it's cool. You know, you just kind of got to, it's it's just like, man, hey, you know, we can put your stuff out on two mediums and X amount of people can have access to it or we can make it available to everybody on demand, which is cool. Now, you know, the the little trick that, you know, I don't really care for that nobody ever really speaks upon. They talk about, you know, Spotify or YouTube or somebody not paying enough mm-hmm. to the artists. And I just keep saying that that's not that's not really true. I read that they have like a non-exclusive agreement where they can't really tell how much they pay in the label. So you're signed to me as a label. I'm paying you for your streams, mm-hmm. but you as an artist don't know how much Spotify is paying me. So I'm telling you, I'm going to give you 0.3 cent per stream, yeah. but you don't know if Spotify paying a dollar per stream, right? Right. Right. And that's, that's the hustle. So like mm-hmm. I'm interested, it's interesting in me when they went public and then now I noticed that, they have a studio and they got Spotify producers and they may have artists. So, and then they made it so that artists can directly put their songs out. Now, what I'm curious is that was game changing. I thought, well, well, here's the key. Yeah. Are you paying the artist what you pay in the studio? Mm. Or are you giving them an extra penny of what you know that the label is giving them? Mm. Are you being honest? If you paying, if you got to pay universal or Sony for the right for their catalog, X amount of dollars per stream. Are you giving the artist that same amount? Or are you lowballing them because you know the artist is only getting three percent? You know, whatever. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Nobody's yeah. talking about that either. No, nah, they ain't gonna talk about it. And hmm. so when you go, I've been to Spotify things, and they slick about how they talk about it. They'll talk in code and say, "Hey, well, seventy-five percent of the money we bring in, we pay out." They do. And they just ain't getting to the artists. Wow. You know what I mean? And the coldest part, one thing is where at the beginning of the year, say if you you are labeled and I'm Spotify and I want to have access to your catalog, mm-hmm. I'm going to do an estimate on how many songs I'm going to want per year and you're going to put a value on it and I'm going to pay you that. Right. Now, at the end of the year, if I don't use all them songs, you would think you would get some of the money back, right? The labels keep the money, which is cool, but the cold part is they don't disperse it to the artist. Right. So if I say, hey, I'm going to buy $50 million worth of songs and I only use 35, there's $15 million extra, right? It don't go back. The labels keep the money and they don't even give it to their artists. They cold. I mean, man, you know, 
labels have always been known for being just like wow. Right. Are, are they finally dying out, do you think? Uh, you know, the labels are cool. It's just the, you know, what they say, what the my homeboy Raz say, what the large print giveth, the small print take away. <laughs> you just kind of got to read what you're getting into. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think they're excellent for branding and marketing and promoting if that's in your agreement mm -hmm. and if you can hold them to that. And um, if you're in a favorable position, then you can negotiate a better deal. I mean, if you're nobody, don't have nothing, and you're desperate— then you kind of got to take what they take. But, you know, maybe the if you can't get what you want, what you're negotiating for, then maybe limit the term. Mm -hmm. So you ain't locked up for five albums or four albums. It's like, hey, man, you know what? Let's do this first one under this agreement. And then if we hit some landmarks, then let's agree that we're going to renegotiate and blah, blah, blah. Come back you know to the table, I mean? yeah. yeah. It's just a deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense, though, man. I mean, so, but I'm curious then to kind of know whether you're seeing more and more independents come right to you direct and say, hey. <clears throat> we always have. Okay. I mean, most of the people, they get their deals. This is the stop before they get the deal. Gotcha. So I always tell people, I don't even have to see who our new client is, I know. Hmm. But our new client is the person that's been rapping or singing. Mm-hmm. People like their music. They like their style. They've been working with their homeboys, and they finally to the point where people love their content. They love the creative part of it, but it doesn't sound right. Mm. So they done been to 30 different studios and tried not to come here, and they finally need to get their <laughs> shit to sound right. So they come to a professional studio, yeah. probably because they have somebody looking at them, yeah. like a label or management or something, and they need to have a product that people are willing to invest in. So that's typically our new client. They done played around and they, they car when they put their song in, when they put the Rick Ross in, they rear view mirror be rocking. Yeah, yeah. And when they put their song in, it won't even shake the rear view mirror. <laughs> that's when they got to come see us. You gotta... <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we do a lot of, um, we, we do a lot of both, man. We do a lot of both. And, um, uh, we gotta, we set up so that we, you know, we're affordable for up and coming artists and stuff like that w without sacrificing the sound quality. Well, man, I, I got to say, you know, we just got done doing an actual podcast here. We got this session going. And you guys, man, it's it's a warm feeling. Right. It's like coming into a really clean, immaculate place. It's nice. I mean, you got the labels and the albums on the wall are just crazy, man, whenever you come in here. But, you know, once you talk to the people, it's warm, though, man. Yeah, the, um, you know, my whole thing is um, the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to ask people, what's more important, knowing where you're going or having the right people on the bus, or what's more important, the destination, or having the right people. And a lot of people would be like, you know, knowing where you going. And I would be like, okay, well, just imagine if you and four of your homeboys was in the car, y'all could have a good time drinking in the parking lot, not having no destination, don't care where you going. Right. Or you can be in a car with four people that you don't like on your way to see Jesus, and it's going to be a miserable trip, right? Even though you're supposed to be going somewhere good. Mm -hmm. So my thing here is I focus on getting good people. I always tell people you should feel the vibe that, oh, that girl at the front desk was cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, when I called, they was pleasant. Oh, the staff assistants was cool or whatever. So it's, it's kind of like the team takes on the personality of the head coach and I'm cool. I'm from L.A., man. I ain't about that bullshit. And we, we about <laughs> our work and we want to be prepared and we want to deliver. <laughs> but no gimmicks, man. No, no, uh. No office furniture from Office Depot. Custom. Yeah. You know, none of that bullshit. No light bulbs blown out. Yeah. When you hit the soap in the bathroom, it's going to come out. <laughs> when you go for a napkin, it's going to be a napkin there. You know what I mean? No gimmicks. I love that shit, though, man, because, you know, being on the West Coast now, that's that's what I'm seeing that the real difference is. 
that you don't get in some uh, up, some of the up and coming cities. Like, I mean, I would say that Atlanta's doing its thing now. It's pretty much here. People rep, people respect it for it being a real metropolitan. But you know, um, that excellence that that's what you get when you go to certain environments in New York. Right. You know, certain studios out of Chicago. You know what I mean? Like, right. you got that excellence. And having that excellence is, is something that I think is going to help the city get to the next level, man. Yeah, one of the things that, like, ours is different. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, have you ever been to, um, like, uh, Bermuda? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can go from Jamaica to yeah. Barbados to Aruba, whatever. Yeah. And a lot of these places, like, you know, when you leave the resort, people running up to you, begging and trying to do stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. Bermuda is not like that. And when I, when I went over there, I was talking to one of the drivers and he basically said, well, over here, we were never slaves. Mm. We were brought over by the queen to be skilled workers. So we were carpenters, electricians, plumbers, and all this stuff. And we have 2% unemployment and everybody graduates from school. So they don't have to work, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay, our history is we came in as a 100% commercial facility. We never got funded or took money from a record label. All of these other studios, either they got an artist associated with them, a producer, a manager, a record label that's kind of fronting, that's sitting behind the real studio name. We were self-made from the beginning and we made ourselves so nobody can break us. So it's like, okay, we were never slaves. Yeah. So it's just a different vibe when you come in the building because we ain't really got no pressure from from any record label or anything. And then, you know, the way we came in before we started, you didn't even have access to studios. So if you were an artist and wanted to work before, you needed to be signed to So So Deaf or something to get in Jermaine's studio. Right. You needed to be signed to Rowdy or be affiliated with DARP to get in Dallas, Austin. You needed to know Bobby Dick Brown to get in Bosstown. You know what I mean? There weren't any studios that belonged to Atlanta. Wow. We came in and changed the game. We was like, man, we're going to be a 100% commercial facility. We're going to make our money off of booking people and providing services 24 hours a day. So for us... We've been, most people come in, like I say, they come in as a restaurant, but after three months, they turn into a club, mm -hmm. right? They, they, they adamant that they're going to be a restaurant, but when they can't sell no food, okay, they a club. I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. All these studios <laughs> that open, they yeah. come over here. I let them look around. I answer questions. I show them our blueprints. I give them blank session reports. I help them. Wow. And they always say, hey man, you know, we just building a private studio. It's for ourselves. It's for our producers. Nigga, until the rent due, till, till the person that you got that money from start wanting their money, mm -hmm. then your ass start renting the studio out. We was built to do that. So we just different. You know what I mean? That shit's crazy, man. You know, it's, it's wild. I was talking to some other guys that are, that are deep in hip hop and they were talking about how to Oakland. You know, that was one of the big mo movements out of there. And, you know, even though I'm a hip hop head, but like people that really know it, I think how they were self-funded, independent, right. they, they didn't, they weren't relying on certain people to kind of, right. you know, do certain things for them. So right. they never had to hold themselves out. Right. Yeah. So you know imagine I mean? here, if I took funding or took money from a record label, the way the record labels work is they give you what they call advances or they give you money. That advance is crazy. And yeah. then yeah. you, they sell your product and make the money back that they gave you. And then they keep taking money forever. If you go to the loan or go to the bank and get a loan, you get a loan for a million dollars. Mm-hmm. You pay the loan back for a million dollars. You own the shit and you don't owe them no, no money. Mm -hmm. Just think of a record label. Mm -hmm. They give you a million dollars. 
they make their million dollars back. They still own all the shit and they taking extra money from you forever. So we just deal with the bank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that shit don't make sense, right? Really, How you gonna, I'm going to give you $10. Yeah. Okay. You make me pay you back 20, man. But when I pay you 20, it's right. I own the shit. Yeah. Whatever I bought with the $20 is mine. They model is I'm going to give you $10. You're going to give me back 200 million. And when you pay me back 200 million, I still own your shit. Right. That's the dumbest shit on earth. It's crazy. I mean, so what, <laughs> why do you think artists aren't, aren't trying to be more independent? Because now I feel like you have the platforms that weren't there before in the past. You got the platform and the money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, you know, like my thing is like, you know, some of the people, yeah. some of our people that are in positions, man, didn't even graduate from high school. Sure. We don't have a lot of standards in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that are successful, they just got lucky. They threw something on the wall and it worked. Well, it's hard to re-duplicate that if you didn't have any technique or no style to getting it done. You just got lucky. You're hoping to get lucky again. Um, I don't know what what these people be thinking about. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we have people in a predicament to make a change. But a lot of the people that are at the top, you got to think again how they started. They borrowed something and they owned something or somebody owe a piece to them. So they never really can break free because somebody gave them something essential to who they are. And that person is holding that over their head that they can threaten them and break them. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they really ain't really free. Like, you know what I mean? It's somebody that's holding something over you that can stop you from really jumping on out there. And, you know, I think this speaks to a larger conversation too. Uh, I hear this a lot, man. People, especially in the whole black community, people know how to go out, go out and make money now. Right. People are learning how to go out and get to it. And you see a lot of people coming up, but people still don't know how to be free a lot right. of times. Right. You know what I mean? Like they don't know how to just kind of be in their own right. and kind of hold their own. And it's a process to actually get to, actually get to that. Right. Because a lot of people want to hit you with a whole bunch of motivational quotes and get you hyped. You got to keep <laughs> doing the work. So it's yeah. like for us, like for instance, we wanted to add a mastering room mm. and it was over $50,000. We just saved the money. I mean, I had, a, I had uh, financial people, loan people, leasing people, all of them call me. Hey, every year they call me. Hey, you guys want to buy some new equipment? You want to add a new room? You guys are pre-approved for $300,000. And I'd be like, man, we just going to save up and buy our own shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So we just don't, it's just a different, I, I went to a couple of things with some people in the city mm-hmm. and I quickly realized that I don't fit in the room because their mindset is, let me come up with a concept or an idea. Let me spend as little as my money as possible to to prove that it works, and then let me go around and beg people for money. That's the whole that's the whole mindset with a lot of the startup culture, man. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. my my mindset is we got a good idea. Shit, that shit seem like it's working. Let's save up our own money and fund it and go do it, and then we get to keep everything. But it don't work like that in the music industry. It's like, hey, I got an idea. I'm dope. Let me go record a couple songs. Let me get it hot. And as soon as it's at his most valuable point, let me take some money from somebody. Now they own my shit. That shit is crazy to me. It is wild, man. Well, you know, Curtis, man, I got to say, man, I really do appreciate you just taking this moment to kind of drop some jewels, man, for people who are, I think a lot of times at this transitional point and the fact that you guys have given them a bridge to either whether they want to go keep owning their actual own uh, products, their own content, or if... Or at least have some leverage once to go to an actual record label and say, okay, you know what I mean? I'm already hot. 
Right. I already got it, so I don't have to go sell my soul for this. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I'm, I, th I think you guys are doing some great stuff here at Patchwork, man. I really do appreciate you just jumping on the mics, man, oh, and being good, so hospitable, for, you know, just for me yeah, as well, Yeah, and then, man. too, on the, the little podcast thing, too, yeah. let me put this out there. Uh, we do have a podcast. It's called I Do Music. Dope. So the audio is available wherever you stream your podcast, and then the, um, the videos are available on our YouTube channel, just Patchwork Studios. But that podcast... I scheduled every guest for the whole first year, the first 52 episodes, wow. because I only wanted people on there that I respected. Mm. And I didn't put any artists and famous people. I just got people that have been working behind the scenes for 10 or 15 years that are experts at what they do. So, you know, our thing here is we either doing recording, mixing, mastering, some paperwork, distribution. That's the five things we do in one hand after 23 years. Anything else you see us doing it's always going to have an educational backing behind. It's just inf information. I just feel like when we started, nobody would help us. Hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody would share any information. And I always told myself that if we ever get in the forefront and people are looking to us, I'm changing that shit. I'm going to share the information because I think that if Atlanta has more than one great studio or more than one great business, then it makes Atlanta better. You know what I mean? So... You know, yeah, we sharing the information. Just trying to raise everybody up, man. I mean, I mean, you know, and, and to me, that's how, that's where I think Atlanta's hitting that inflection point. You get more and more people that are willing to open up their mouths and say, this is how you get to the next level. It's not by experimenting and trying to figure everything out on your own. Hey, well, if they watching us, they know better. Hey, that's what's up, man. Well, well Curtis, I really do appreciate this. The address for everyone, you know, you guys won't recognize the building. Nope. The goal is if you ain't coming here, just to keep going. Hey, hey, man, you won't recognize, it, but it's right in the heart of the city. I mean, it's right on like in like West Midtown, 10, 1094 Hempfield Avenue. Hempfield Avenue. Yeah, man, out of Atlanta, man, you will not be disappointed for showing up. So come on by, talk to Curtis if you guys are trying to do anything creative. He can at least drop some major jewels on you. Yep, and don't just try to walk up because you can't get in. Make an appointment. <laughs> You're going to definitely be locked yeah, up. 404-874-9880. Schedule an appointment. We'll be happy to sit down and talk to you. Appreciate this, Curtis. No problem.